I read recently the words of uh, another pastor, uh, one who lives in downtown Minneapolis. He's lived there a long time. Uh, And he's in a different context than we are, but he speaks to a problem that we have here in Greenwood too. I'll start with his words and then I'll tell you what we share with his situation. He says, I have lived in the same inner city neighborhood for 45 years, sorry, 40 years. It is beset with every kind of breakdown and dysfunction. Mental illness, family disintegration, drunkenness, drugs, unemployment, poverty, homelessness, and every level of crime from loitering to homicide. I've spoken to hundreds of people in this neighborhood about Christ. And I think that I could count on one hand the number of them who have denied Christ. They have all received him. Chronically drunk people have received him. Drug dealers have received him. Prostitutes have received him. And this kind of receiving of Christ is not a joy that I celebrate. It's a heartache that I bemoan. Now, we live in a different place here. We don't have as many homicides and as big of a drug problem as the inner city does. But we do have that problem, don't we? Swaths of people who think they have received Christ, but whose lives make it clear that they have not. It looks different here in the suburbs, though, doesn't it? It's the the dad who thinks he has received Christ, but he isn't part of a church because he signed his daughter up for softball, and the softball games are on Sunday, so there goes church. Or the adult who answered an altar call as a child and today thinks of themselves as a Christian but isn't part of a church and is living with his girlfriend and is in no way living a life that is marked by discipleship of Jesus. takes many forms, and here those are the sum of the forms that it takes. Those who have received Jesus or think they have received Jesus, but their life is demonstrating that it does not. And when we see around us so much of that Uh, a counterfeit version of receiving Christ, that nominal and counterfeit Christianity all around us, Uh, we have to ask, what does the real thing look like? When, When a heart really does receive the gospel of Jesus, what happens? Does the Bible tell me anything about what that ought to look like? That's what we're going to be looking at this morning. What does it look like when a human heart is opened up by a work of God and they receive the gospel of Jesus Christ? We're not going to get a full picture this morning, but we're going to look at three things that happen in the heart when we receive Christ. Now, before I tell you about what happens when our hearts receive the gospel, I need to tell you what the gospel is don't I? And so, so here is the gospel message. This is the message that if you're new here, you need to know that everything we do here revolves around this message. It's the reason that all these people are gathered here around you. And if there's one thing we want you to leave today knowing, it's this. Uh, the gospel is, as it's said in the text we're going to read today, good news of great joy. And it's good news to anyone who looks around and sees that this world is broken and needs fixing and sees that they are broken and need fixing. Because God looks down from heaven and he says, you're right, you you are broken, and the world is broken around you. 
and it is broken because I put my good ways in front of you and you chose to walk contrary to them, right? You chose to rebel against me and sin against me. But he says, I hold the solution in my hand and I'm willing to give it to anyone who would receive it. And here is that solution. It is that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to walk upon the earth and live in perfection and sinlessness all of his days. The one who never did anything wrong. And then this Jesus, who was God made man, willingly died to pay for all of the sins of those who would trust in him. And then he rose from the dead to guarantee resurrection from the dead for all those who would trust in him. And then he went up into heaven and he's there now and he promises he is going to return. And when he returns, he holds in his hand for anyone who would trust him today. He holds in his hand life with him forever. Resurrection from the dead, in a body that was the way it's supposed to be. You, fixed the way you're supposed to be. And the world around you, fixed the way it's supposed to be. In an intimate friendship with the God who made you forever. That promise being restored to that, what you were meant to be, what the world was meant to be, the relationship you were meant to have with God, all of which was shattered by our rebellion against God. The Lord holds that in his hands and says, Jesus Christ says, I am the gift and anyone who would receive me can have me. And so my call to you, if you have never received him before, is to look to him in faith and receive him. He is God. He is Lord. He is Savior. He is forgiver of sin. Look to him for all that he is and receive all that he is. Now, if you're willing to receive him in that way, what happens in your heart? What does that flipping of the switch look like? That's what we're going to look at today. And we're going to do it by picking up right where we left off on Christmas morning. Now, that's going to feel weird in mid-January. We're going to talk about shepherds and angels in mid-January. Hope you guys are ready, right? Uh, But I think it can have a huge benefit for us because their response to what the angels tell them gives us a good picture of what is supposed to happen when we receive the gospel. That can be useful to you if you are considering following Jesus, and I bet you want to know what you're getting into. Well, this is some of what you're getting into, what he will do in your heart if he awakens you to come to him and to follow him. And for many of us who have been following him for a long time, I know a lot of us kind of feel like something is missing in our Christian life, and it may show you just what is missing. Many other things it might do for us. Let's look at the text together. Uh, Where we left off The angels had appeared to the shepherds, Jesus has been born, and they announce to them, uh, the shepherds just trembling at what is happening, they announce to them, we have good news of great joy, unto you is born this day a Savior who is Christ the Lord, is born in Bethlehem. And and when you go, you're going to see a sign, a baby in a manger wrapped in swaddling clothes. And then here's how they respond. Verse 15. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, 
as it had been told to them. The words of the Lord. Through the shepherd's response, the Spirit examines us and helps us to respond rightly to the good news. Essentially, they are there, awestruck by what they have seen. They look at each other and say, well, we got to go see this, right? And so it says they go with haste. They run to see what the Lord has done. They get there and they find it just as had been promised. They were told they would find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. That's an unusual thing and they find it. So it's verified. What the angels told us is true. And so they tell everybody there, this is exactly what the angels told us that we were going to find. Can you believe this? And everyone is filled with awe. They're telling everyone they can see what happens. And eventually they go back giving great praise to God for what they had heard and what they had seen and that God's word proved to be true and reliable. There are essentially three marks on how they respond. And we will see all these things again when Jesus rises from the dead and people see him or see the empty tomb. The shepherds are full of awe and wonder. They run to Jesus and they tell everybody. We'll see that again when Jesus rises from the dead, won't we? People like Peter and Mary Magdalene are full of awe. It says at one point, fear and great joy came upon them when they learned that Jesus had risen from the dead. And you see Peter just run to the tomb. And you see them go out then and tell the disciples and tell everyone. And so we got a pattern there. We see it in many other parts in the scripture, and I'll unfold some of that for you. But that gives us a picture How should we respond? What happens in our heart when that news clicks? When we say, Jesus died for me, and he rose from the dead. What's that do to a heart? It fills us with awe. It makes us run to him, and it makes us to tell everyone. So the point this morning is that when a heart receives the good news, it bursts with awe, it runs to Jesus, and it tells everyone. We'll break that down into those three parts today. First, when a heart receives the gospel of Jesus, it bursts with awe. We saw this already back in verse 9 on Christmas morning. Now, the awe that the shepherds had at first was different. The angels appeared, and it said that they were filled with great fear. Or this is one of those rare places where I prefer the old translations. It says they were sore afraid, right? They were just terrified of what they saw. The angels tell them, don't be afraid. We bring you good news of great joy. And where we pick up today, you can see that the terror is gone, but the amazement is still there, right? The awe lingered on. And so they're saying, looking at each other with wide eyes, saying, we, we got to go and see this, right? Like, this is incredible. So you, you can hear the awe in their voices. You can even see it in their eyes almost as you read this stuff. They are amazed by what the Lord has done. And in the same way, the ladies who find that Jesus is risen from the tomb are filled with fear and great joy, it says. Paul will write the Thessalonians later, and he will say, I know that the Lord has done a work among you because when we, when we preach the gospel to you, you received it in power and with full conviction, like it moved your heart, that news of the gospel. And Paul himself, when he came to Christ saw the risen Lord Jesus himself, 
And it was so glorious, he was so full of awe that he went blind for days. This tends to be what happens when that news clicks, when the death and resurrection of Jesus is made plain to the heart, and you realize that this stuff really happened. The heart just just bursts with awe. And then men like me preach it to you over and over again, and it never gets old, does it? It's just amazing every time because he really died and he really rose for his people. Some things are like that, that they never get old. They're amazing every time. Sunrises are like that, I think. Last Sunday, we woke up in New Orleans and we had been traveling with a group of people that had seen many sunrises and sunsets together in nice exotic places. And here we are in New Orleans and everything's coming to an end and there is just a beautiful sunrise over the river with the, the bridge going across it. We're all eating breakfast and we look out and we see it. And everybody just started getting up from breakfast, like leaving their breakfast there and getting up and walking outside to see it and, and take pictures of it. Because yet another beautiful sunrise was amazing us. And nobody was like, ah, I saw one of those yesterday. Mm, right? Nobody does that. No, they're looking at it amazed. Mm, nope, I've seen one of those before. Nope, I'm over it. Right? That doesn't happen with sunrises. They're amazing every time. You know what else is amazing every time? Fireworks. They go boom every time, don't they? Man, it's off. Like we set off some for our kids uh, for New Year's Eve. Well, with the kids, not really for the kids, with the kids on New Year's Eve. And man, you just light a bottle rocket and send it up and it, and then boom, and we're all like amazed. And nobody's like, well, that's bottle rockets, no more of that. No, set off another one, right? You set off another one and boom, you're amazed every time. You set off another one, boom, you're amazed every time. Like it doesn't get old and nobody says, I saw fireworks last year, I don't need to see anymore. They're not impressive to me anymore. And the good news of this gospel works the very same way. It's amazing the first time you hear it. And it's amazing the 50th time you hear it, and it's amazing the 100th time that you hear it. Last week, when Jonathan proclaimed the gospel to you, none of you were thinking, ah, that's the same gospel Dave preaches. I've heard that before, right? No, because every time it blows the mind, every time it engages you. What the shepherds show us here is that that news, even every time, really ought to just set something off in the mind. It really just blows your mind every time. It's that incredible. And so what we have to do is examine our hearts and ask, okay, what's that like for us? Is my heart bursting with awe at the truth of the songs that we're singing? Am I reading this stuff and singing it saying, this is true? And when the truth is proclaimed from the word and the gospel is made clear, does it make my heart burst with awe or have I grown numb to it over the years? I can help us to diagnose where we are. And some of you, I imagine what's going on is, especially if you're new to the gospel and new to Jesus, you're thinking to yourself like, yes, like this stuff is amazing. I can't believe this stuff is true. And I don't understand why some of the other people around me, like they don't seem as impressed by this. Like, am I doing it wrong 
if I'm just amazed by this stuff and I can't wait to tell everybody about it, is it or do I need to dial it back a little, be a little more low-key like some of the people I see around me? And what the shepherds can show you here is, no, you don't need to dial it back. No, you're not the crazy one if you're enthusiastic and exuberant about this stuff. You're doing it right if you're enthusiastic and exuberant about these things. And for others of us, we're looking at it and we're, we're a little more mixed, right, if we're honest. Like, yeah, it amazes me, but it doesn't amaze me like it should. What's going on there? And that can be especially troubling when you see what it's supposed to look like, like shepherds looking at each other like, this is amazing, we got to go see. And I'm just kind of like, eh, I'm a little impressed in my pew and, and that's about it. Because it makes you wonder and question, like, what really happened in my heart when I came to Christ? Am I one of those people that deceive themselves, or is something else going on here? And, and, and if it's making you wonder that, I want to put the book of 1 John in front of you as, as a good test. Uh, the book of 1 John is written to believers, and he says, I'm writing those of you who believe that you may have assurance of what you believe. Uh, he wants them, if they are really Christians, to know that they're really Christians. So he puts all these kind of marks and tests in front of them. And he says, uh, if you're walking in the light, meaning you love Jesus' commandments, you want to follow them, and you're willing to let the light shine on your sin when you sin against God. Like if you love his commandments, it's a sign you're a true disciple of Jesus. And if you love the church, it's a sign you're a real disciple of Jesus. And if when you do sin against God, you're not trying to hide it or getting angry when it gets pointed out, but you're, you, know, you look to God and you confess your sins, uh, he, those are some marks of genuine followers of Jesus, a love for the church, a love for God's commandments, confession of sin. And he's putting that before them to say, if you're seeing those things in your life, that's a sign that God has really done a work in your heart and that you're not deceiving yourself. You're, you're a real, genuine, bona fide Christian. And so what's going on for a lot of us is that we can look at those signs and say, yeah, the Lord is doing it. I do love his ways. I do love his church. I had a hundred reasons to quit church this year, and I didn't. Uh, the Lord moves me to confess sin often. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm a real Christian, but I'm not as amazed by this stuff as I should be. And as I prepared this, I figured that is probably where a lot of us are, right? genuinely earnestly following Jesus, but not as amazed by this stuff as we should be. Am I right about that? That's about where I am. Is that about, about where a lot of us are? Am I reading this right? We're all still, some of us are nodding. Okay. Uh, that being the case, I, why don't I spend a little more time there and try to unpack what could be going on there? What's going on there? I actually think that that is really common among people who came to Christ as a child and people who, like us, are lifelong or longtime Baptists. And, and here's why. Uh, children have this unique, resilient ability to just see the world around them and accept it for what it is. And, and that gives them an, an incredible resilience when they're in broken homes and really terrible environments that they grow up and we wonder, like, how are you making it in that environment? And they're looking around and saying, oh, that's just what moms and dads do. You know, they just act like that and, and yell like that. I don't, I don't know. Like, whatever's going on, children have an ability to just accept it for what it is. And that's a good thing. It makes them very resilient. Then they hear the gospel a lot of times. And they believe it, and they're like, yeah, okay, I accept that. I, I yeah, 
Jesus died, rose, forgive sins, I'm a sinner, I believe all that. And you just receive it, and you're like, yes, I accept that as reality and as truth. But because of something in how kids are wired, it doesn't like blow your mind. They're not like, wow, you rose from the dead. I don't believe it. They just accept it as reality. And for many of us, that's what happened. We were kids. We were told the gospel. We believe it. We accept it as reality. But there was never that point where it just blew our minds that this stuff is true. And then you grow up for years and years and years, and you're an adult, and there's never that moment where it just, like, man, that is amazing. Because for our whole lives, we've just accepted these things as true. They're the baseline for us. And so they don't quite blow our minds as they should. That gets compounded by one thing we often don't get right in the Baptist church and in a lot of Bible preaching churches. And that is that our preaching focuses on two good things, which is believe and, and do. Right? Like we are unpacking this word and we're asking together, what do I need to believe and what do I need to do? Right? That's typically what, where, we're, where we're going. And in the Bible, there is very clearly a third aspect that we don't get to very often because the Bible changes your whole heart and then changes your behavior. And so really, we ought to be asking, what do I need to believe? How do I need to feel about it? And then what do I need to do? Let the Lord change the whole heart, including the feelings. And so we often don't wind up putting things before you like joy or overcoming bitterness in the heart or inward heart emotional things because we're putting in front of you believe and and do. And so if you've grown up your whole life just receiving the gospel as, you know, baseline, it's true, I believe it, I love it. And then the preaching you hear for many years is a lot of doctrine and a lot of commands and do and not a lot of feel. That can lead to a whole church culture where there's not a whole lot of expression, uh, where our minds and hearts just aren't as quite as amazed as they should be by this thing, where there's not a lot of tears in the worship service, not a lot of lifting of hands, and there's just kind of reserved sense instead. And what these shepherds can show us is that it is right to be amazed by this news. It is right to have the heart burst with joy when the Lord shows us the truth of the gospel. And so for many of us then, we know what we need to pursue. For a lot of us, the Lord has given us holy, sanctified lives. And yeah, we can keep growing. But for a whole lot of us, it's that growth and inward awe and inward joy at the gospel, that if we could find it and if we could grow there, it would overflow so much in what we do. So what you need to do then is seek awe and amazement at these things. When you read the Bible, look for how amazing God is. It's, it's hard to miss in the Bible how incredible he is. And when you find it, let it affect your heart. When we sing these songs together, let them affect your heart. And when the word of God is preached, let your heart engage with it. So there's the first part then. A heart that receives the gospel bursts with awe. Second, a heart that receives the good news runs to Jesus. We see this in the very action of the shepherds. When they are amazed, what do they say to each other? Let's go and see, right? And they, with haste, 
they go and see him. You see the same thing when Jesus rises from the dead. When Mary realizes it's him, she just leaps for him and falls down at his feet and embraces him. Peter learns about it and he runs, he outruns the other disciple when he's getting there because he's so excited to go and see him. And when we hear the good news and receive it, the same thing happens. No one goes to Jesus half-heartedly. No one responds to the gospel with, okay, fine. No. When he awakens our hearts, we run to him. Now, I have heard people say, the Lord drug me kicking and screaming down the aisle. And maybe you mean something different than what I mean here if you say that. But if that's you, I want you to know, no, he did not. No, the Lord showed you how glorious and wonderful he is. And if you responded at all, you leapt and ran to him. Now, there may have been a point before that where you were very resistant to the gospel, and maybe there was a lot of kicking and screaming while it worked in your heart and softened your heart. But once he makes the heart new and we go to him, no one leisurely strolls to him. No one reluctantly goes to him. When we see him for the beauty that he is, we are like these shepherds. Let's go and see this Jesus. And that sticks with you your whole life. A lot of us, that's why we're even here, right? Seeking after this Jesus that we want to go and we want to see. Here's a probably strange sounding question. If the Lord told you that right now in a hotel conference room in Chicago that Jesus Christ was there and he'd be there for six hours. So he just says, verifying it, Jesus is right there in that conference room in Chicago right now. Here's a pen. I'll put it on your phone. You can go see him if you want to. What would you do? Would you, would you drop everything and rush to Chicago Because you know that when you get there, after the three hours or so it takes to find the place, you could have three hours with Jesus. That's the urgency that these shepherds have. They hear that he is born, boom, let's go and see this thing that he has done. And I wonder if for you, that's why you're here right now. Because he's not in a conference room in Chicago is he? Unless there's a church plant meeting in a conference room in Chicago that I don't know about. He's not in a conference room in Chicago. He's with his gathered people because it's his day. And we don't have the Lord telling us Jesus is in a conference room in Chicago. We do have him telling us when two or more are gathered, there I am with them, right? And so here he is among us. And for some of you, your very presence here this morning is just like the shepherds who are like, Jesus is there, so I'm going, right? I'm going to be there because I want to be with him. I wonder if we took away everything else that you love about church, if every church in Greenwood, whatever kind of music you like, they did the opposite kind. And however you think preaching is supposed to sound like, it sounded like the opposite at every church here. And all the other little things you love, the ministries didn't do great, and uh, that sense of growth that we're all going for wasn't there. If none of that stuff was there, but Jesus were still here, would that be enough to get you excited to be out of bed in the morning and going to be with the people of God? It is enough. It was enough for these shepherds to say, we're going to go 
and we're going to see this thing that God has done. And if that's you, if you're saying to yourself, yes, wherever he is, he's the one I'm seeking. He's the one I want to be with. There's a mark that the Lord is doing that work in your heart, right? Because when a heart receives the good news of Jesus, it, it runs to him. Last part, when a heart receives the good news, it tells everyone. We see that in the way that the shepherds arrive, and they're just so eager to tell everybody, this is exactly what God said would happen. Let me tell you all about it. And then they went home glorifying and praising God, evidently just telling everyone they could see, you won't believe what God has done. We see this also in 1 Thessalonians when Paul writes them, just like I quoted earlier, right? He says, we know God's done a work among you because the gospel landed with power and full conviction. And then he says, the word sounded forth from you to others. So they began spreading that gospel and even the testimony of what the Lord had done through them, even for the, through the apostles and through Jesus You see it in Paul's heart when he says, I wish that I could be cut off and my brothers could be grafted in, right? He just wants so badly for others to know and believe what he knows. What's going on here is when there is something out there that just amazes you and and you want it really badly and then you get it, you just want to tell people about it. That's the way the heart works, right? And we can do this with new pieces of technology or a car or or just a, a spouse, just about anything. If the Lord gives it to you, you wanted it for a long time, it's an amazing thing to you, and then you receive it, and you're just eager to tell people about it. I had a friend once, I worked with him, who was like this about, of all things, Microsoft Excel shortcuts. He was just really excited about the fact that you can fire up that little green ribbon program and if you push this button and do this, he'd come to work every day and like, man, you won't believe it. You can do, 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 and then beep, 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 boop, 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 and then sorcery. It's like magic. I mean, he was so excited. And here's the funny thing. We were waiters in a restaurant Like, we didn't even use computers at our job, but he was so excited about the stuff he had learned about what you could do with it. I think he used it in his other job, in his day job, maybe. But that's how the heart is, isn't it? When when you get something you're really excited about, even if it's just knowledge, you're excited to tell everybody about it. And likewise, if we've got these first two parts, if our hearts are amazed by the good news of Jesus— And if we are running to Jesus and we know that we have him, well, that just creates a natural overflow of the heart that we just love to talk about him. And evangelism doesn't become this thing we got to do. It just becomes this thing we're we're doing because we just love him so much. Now, what seeing that can do, what that shepherd's example can do for us is some of us are trying to figure out, okay, I believe the gospel, And I know I'm supposed to be spreading this gospel. And I've known that for a long time, and I've been trying to do it, but I'm just not doing it. And why why am I not talking about Jesus more than I am? And for some of us, we can trace this third part back to that first part. If your mind isn't blown by the good news, 
if you're not just amazed by what Jesus has done for you, and you're finding that it's hard for you to talk about the gospel in the way that you should, that's a sign that at least your evangelism is mostly about a sense of obligation. I'm supposed to be talking about this. When Jesus says that out of overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? you talk about the things that are in here. And so if you want to talk about it more and be less afraid to spread that gospel to others, you want to be quick to find ways to talk about the gospel and take a conversation toward the gospel, the thing to do is to set your heart on the gospel. I find the easiest way to do this is to find very particular things about Jesus that are especially dear to me. Now, there are a thousand and more wonderful things about him, aren't there? And a few of those are really special to me, kind of out of proportion of how wonderful they are. And I bet it's the same way to you. There are a few things about him that are just very dear to you. Uh, I know for me, uh, I've long been interested in the, in the mysteries of life. Why is there evil in the world? Why are there men and women and why are they different from each other? Like there's a mystery. Uh, all, all these things about the world that we can't seem to explain. And I love that Jesus' words in the Bible give a far better explanation and answer to those mysteries than anything else. I've gone other places to look for it and not found it. You look in the Bible and you find satisfying answers. I love that about him. And so it's very easy for me when someone's talking about a great mystery of life to just, it's like natural to say, oh, the Bible has a really good answer for that. And I just want to talk about it, right? I also find that because the way that my life has gone, and some of you will probably relate to this for yourselves as well, but there have been points in my life when I've sought friendship with somebody really close to me and I've not found it for whatever reason. One really close friend betrayed me at one point, revealed he wasn't really a friend, and other things have happened along the way. And I've come over the years to just really appreciate that when I seek friendship with Jesus, I find it every time. Like he is a reliable friend. That's dear to me. And maybe for some of you, that's really dear to you as well. And if you can set your heart on that, it makes it really easy to just say that to a friend. You know what I love about Jesus is I got some flaky friends out there and he is a good, faithful friend. I wonder what it is for you. I once heard a a homosexual college student who was not yet following Jesus, he was interested in Jesus, and he said, you know what intrigues me about him is uh, he treats me the same as everybody else. Everyone else treats me like I'm a special type of person, but he says that I'm a sinner like everybody else and I have to repent like everybody else, and he's the only person in the world who's ever treated me like he treats everybody else. I wonder what it is for you, though. Is there something about him that, that drew you in? That made you say, I just, I just love this about him. Well, set your heart on that and on as many of those things as you can find. And think of ways that you could talk about those and let your heart overflow with, with love for him. So there's a bit of what the heart looks like when it responds. There's much more. We begin to live holy lives. We develop a deep love for the Lord that grows. We learn to love the church, all kinds of other marks as well, but there are three of them. When a heart receives the gospel, it bursts with awe, it runs to him, and it tells everyone. 
Let me land this morning just by applying that to whatever situation you're in. Uh, Some of you are new in Christ, or maybe you've been following Jesus a long time, and your heart is really bursting like this. And I know when it's like that and you see the, what kind of the baseline in the church, not here, but all over the place, you can kind of look around and be like, am I the crazy one? Because I'm really excited about this stuff. And some of these other people don't seem very excited. And I hope what these shepherds show you is that you are not the crazy one. You are the one that is doing it right. Let them spur you on in enthusiasm and love for what the Lord has done for you. Some of you, like I said a moment ago, are kind of looking and saying, okay, I've got some of those marks from 1 John. I know I'm a true follower of Jesus, but I can tell that this is where I need to grow. My heart doesn't burst at this stuff. I'm not eager to tell everybody about it. I don't run to them. I'm just kind of walking along. And now you know, early in the year, you can know what the Lord might want you to focus on this year, a heart that loves him and is amazed by him. Don't be disheartened. There are many of us in that place, and may the Lord grow us in great awe. Maybe there are a few of you here who hear that, my heart's not bursting with awe, see the marks of 1 John, a love for the church, a love for Jesus' commands, a willingness to confess sin, and you're saying, well, that's not me either. And maybe the Lord is using this to reveal to you that whatever happened when you thought you converted wasn't coming to Jesus. And if that's you, I got two words for you. One, just turn to him and receive him now. If you're wondering whether you're really a Christian, you don't have to be scared about that. Just turn to Jesus and receive him and and you're good. But if you need help unpacking that and sorting that out, find me or Paul or one of us. We'd love to talk with you about that. And so many complexities to that. And it's a hard thing to talk about. Lastly, if you're considering coming to Jesus Christ, I hope you got a picture here of what you might be getting into. What might he do to you? Well, be ready for him to blow your mind if you receive him, because his news is good. Be ready for that sense of hesitation you've got. I don't know if I'm going to go to him or not. If you receive him, that's going to go away, and you're going to run to him. You're going to see a change there. And then be ready to spend a lot of friendships telling people all about him, because that's what the Lord is going to do in your heart. May this be truer and truer ever of us. May he make a people who are amazed by him, who run to him, and who tell everyone about him. May he do that even here. Let's pray together.